and welcome to the Happy Yoga Podcast with me, your host, Joe Hutton. And in this podcast, we talk about all things yoga and all things to make your mind a happier place to live in. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Happy Yoga Podcast. In today's episode, it's the first ever episode, so I thought I would do a episode about what is yoga. And I sat down to start to write this episode and I realised that that is not going to be as clear cut as I thought it would be. In fact, I have tried to do this a couple of times in my career where I've thought, oh, I'll write a blog post or I'll write a Facebook status or I'll do a class about what is yoga. And every time there's so many different aspects to that question. There's so many different voices and opinions and contexts and cultures and there's so many different ways to answer that question that it isn't just as simple as this is what yoga is. So with that in mind, I hope that you can uh, stay with me on the journey while we try and unpick what is yoga. So the word yoga started to appear thousands upon thousands of years ago in the ancient Indian philosophy. So the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita and the Yoga Sutras. Now this word was used in different contexts within those texts. So what you find if you read these texts is that the word yoga is used in different ways at different times. And this is perfectly understandable because the time scale between the Vedas and the Yoga Sutras is as far away as the Yoga Sutras and now. So when we're talking about these ancient texts, we're talking about texts that span a vast amount of history. So literally thousands upon thousands of years. So it's not a surprise that the words will, the way they're used will change depending on when in the history they're being used. But the word yoga tends to be used either to mean a path to spiritual enlightenment or a state of being within that spiritual enlightenment. So it's either a state that you can be in, so you can reach a state of yoga, or a knowledge to have, you have yoga as, an, as a knowledge, or it's a path to attain that knowledge, so you could be on the path of yoga. And the word yoga actually comes from the word yolk. So not yolk like an egg, not like an egg yolk, but a yolk as in the harness that attaches a horse or an oxen or a cow to a cart. So it's sometimes described as to mean union. And it's that point where one thing gets attached to another thing and then they move together. So yoga is to yoke, to unite. And so what we're trying to unite, again, depends on context, it depends on time, it depends on your beliefs, but usually we're trying to either unite ourselves with the rest of the universe to reach enlightenment. So one definition of the word enlightenment is when we understand that there are no boundaries between us and other things in the universe and that 
the boundaries that keep us separate are an illusion. So that's one definition of enlightenment. One thing that it could be trying to unite is us and the rest of the universe. It could be us and a higher power. So some people believe that we're uniting ourselves with a higher power, the universe, God, Krishna, whatever your beliefs are. And some people, and I think this is a lot more common in the West, in modern times, people are trying to unite their mind with their body, their breath with their body. They're trying to unite themselves as a whole. So it's a more self-led practice rather than trying to unite something outside of yourself. And it's actually not up to me, obviously, it's not up to me to say which one is is right. I don't believe any of them are the correct answer. I think that when we practice yoga, it's important that we are able to take what we need when we need it at the time. So you might find that at different parts of your life, you use yoga in different ways. You might find that one really speaks to you and one doesn't. And for me, yoga is a very personal practice. So I like to find out all of the things. I like to read about it. I like to listen to about it. I like to have conversations about it. But at the end of the day, it's up to you and me to personally decide which bits we want to take and which bits we want to leave on the table. But it's good to learn about all of them. And then and then you can decide which bits speak to you and which bits don't. So in modern times... When you go to a yoga class, you could be forgiven for believing that yoga is a physical practice and, you know, there's some breathing techniques, there's some relaxation techniques, but yoga is a physical practice and that's that's what yoga is. Now, that is a really modern interpretation of yoga. Probably only in the past, like, two centuries have has the emphasis been on the physical side. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about the definitions of yoga as found in the Bhagavad Gita. So the Bhagavad Gita is a Hindu text. It comes from the Marabharata, and I have to apologize I have to say this if I accidentally mispronounce something or if I put the wrong accent or I emphasize the wrong part of the word I am really really sorry but I have got very severe dyslexia so being able to say the words is I find it really difficult to say to learn new long words and quite a lot of my knowledge comes from books so I've read the words and not necessarily heard other people say the words so I've tried my best to go online and learn the pronunciations but I am putting this caveat out there that there is a high chance that some of the words are mispronounced and if that is the case I just really apologize feel free to correct me send me a thing saying this is how you pronounce it because I'm up I'm up for learning and also go and find out how they're pronounced. Like, don't repeat how I pronounce them because I'm not saying that I am an expert on that. I'm not a linguist in any way. So the Bhagavad Gita was, is part of the Mahabharata, which is a really long, epic Hindu tale. It's like thousands of pages long and it is and it spans 
centuries and it is a tale of all of the Hindu gods and it's brilliant if you haven't read it or you haven't seen it like there's loads of like Bollywood films there's loads of like podcasts there's loads of like audiobooks of it I don't think I'll ever hear the whole thing I don't think I'll ever see the whole story because it is so long but it's really worth seeking out and and listening to the Mahabharata because it's just a really good story. It's kind of like the ancient Greek stories or the Roman stories where it's just gods and and, and man and lots of tales of, of, of morality. It's just a brilliant human story and if you've never read it or listened to it, I highly recommend that you go and, and, and seek it. So in the middle of the Amarabharata, on the eve of a big battle, there is a stop in the story and there is a conversation happens between Arjuna and his chariot driver who turns out to be the godhead Krishna. And there is just this absolutely beautiful conversation between the two and it's all about what is the purpose of a human's life? Like how do we get up every day and do the things that we need to do so basically Arjuna is saying I am absolutely devastated that I'm going to have to fight so the battle is between him and his uncle and he's absolutely devastated that he's going to have to fight his uncle and he's thinking about all the death and the blood and the violence that's going to happen and he has this conversation with Krishna and it's a metaphor for how do we do the things that we need to do as humans and it's just an absolutely beautiful story and and it's been used for millennia as a way for humans to understand what it means to be human it was Gandhi's favorite philosophy a lot of his philosophy comes from the Bhagavad Gita and I would really recommend if you are interested in reading it I would really recommend that you get a translation by Eknath Ishwan he has the most amazing translation. It's so easy to understand. He talks about things in a really relatable, accessible way. I'll put a link to the show notes. I am not a scholar when it comes to this kind of thing. I'm just kind of giving you a broad, like, you know, very shallow interpretation of all of these things. If you want to go a bit deeper, I highly recommend that you get that book. I think you can get it for like $7.99 on Amazon. Amazing place to start if you're interested in these ancient Indian and Hindu philosophies. And I don't think that you have to be a Hindu to read them. I think they're just a really good philosophy for life. So if you're interested in humans and what it means to be human and, and just how to exist in a human world, highly recommend that you get a copy of that and you read it. So in the Bhagavad Gita, they talk about yoga and Krishna basically outlines three paths to yoga, three paths of yoga, three paths to yoga. So this is basically how to reach enlightenment according to Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. And of those three paths, none of them are physical postural yoga so none of them are get up at half five in the morning and do your sun salutations and there you go that's yoga they're more a way for attaining knowledge so these are the when they're talking about yoga in the Bhagavad Gita they're talking about ways for you to understand and attain knowledge about the way the universe works and the first path of yoga according to the Bhagavad Gita is 
karma yoga. So you may have heard of this because I think that yoga studios and modern yoga abuses this idea of karma yoga. So you might have heard of like karma yogis and it's a way for a yoga studio to get people to sweep their floor in exchange for free yoga classes. That is not how karma yoga is talked about in the Bhagavad Gita. Karma yoga in the Bhagavad Gita is a dedication of your life to good deeds. So in order to attain knowledge through karma yoga, you dedicate your entire life to good deeds. Now, what's difficult about this is that you need to give yourself up to the good deeds without expecting to get the results of the yoga. So it only works if you do it for the good deeds and not because you want to reach enlightenment. So if you're doing it because you want to reach enlightenment, that kind of negates all of the benefits that you get from doing the karma yoga. So in with karma yoga, you're turning your attention outwards, trying to make the world a better place. And they're done purely for the good deeds sake. So when you give up trying to make your life better and just give yourself over to service. And you can see this, this is reflected again and again in other religions and other philosophies as well. So what you'll find is a lot of these concepts are not unique to the Bhagavad Gita because they're human concepts. So you'll see that, you know, nuns and monks and people from from time began in every single culture, every single religion, every single philosophy will talk about giving yourself over to service for other people and that if you want to be happy within yourself, the way to do it is to to serve other people. And it's really interesting because I don't know if you've read a book called Joy by Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. They have this lovely book called Joy and they talk about what they think happiness is and their conclusion is that if you want to be happy, you need to do good deeds for other people. So karma yoga is giving your life over to service. So it's not doing a down dog, it's giving your life over to service and you acquire knowledge about how the world works by unselfish deeds. Now, the next one is bhakti yoga. So bhakti yoga is devotional yoga so it's love giving yourself over to love or devotion and finding out knowledge through surrendering yourself to a bigger or higher power so again I'm not saying that this is what you need to do in your yoga classes I'm giving a little bit of context and understanding of what yoga is and where it comes from because I do think a lot of the time in yoga classes we're very surface level and it's all about relaxation and it's all about you know the postures and we lose all of these really rich and lovely philosophy and cultural things that I think a lot of people are interested in. I think it's a shame that we a lot of people take them out of the yoga classes because I don't think you need to believe in them. You don't need to to do them yourself. You don't need that doesn't need to be the way that you practice yoga for you to understand about them and find them interesting. So but back to yoga is giving yourself over to a form of devotion. And again, you see this in all religious and spiritual practices where people chant, people pray, people will go and give, like get into a trance-like state through mantra. Through, you see it in, you know, 
Christian, you know, Christian churches in America where they go and they, 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 they kind of transcend their physical being on earth by devotion, like mass worship and devotional things. And it's a very human thing. Even if you're not religious, you've probably experienced like a mass devotion, a mass devotional thing by going to a concert. So if you've ever been at a concert and you have, you know, felt like you have gone from being an individual to a group of people if you've kind of transcended the self by getting so excited at a concert and getting so excited with the other people like that is a human thing that we can all do you don't have to be religious to be able to experience that but in this context it is a religious experience but over time people have translated it to mean any kind of love so love for fellow human beings love for the for the universe, love for animals. So it's like you having something that is more important than yourself is a way to acquire knowledge. And it's really confusing as well because there is actually a style of physical yoga called Bhakti Yoga. This happens a lot in yoga. So when we're the terms, sometimes people have decided to call their style of yoga one of the more traditional roots of yoga so it can get confusing so there's a style of yoga called bhakti yoga but that's not what i'm talking about i'm not talking about the yoga classes called bhakti yoga i'm talking about bhakti yoga as explained in the bhagavad gita and the next one is called jhana yoga and this is attaining knowledge through texts and academia and studying the nature of yourself bringing your attention to the material so that you can acquire knowledge that way and this is actually considered the most difficult path to yoga because it's the one where you can get in your own way the most so when you're reading about yoga when you're reading about enlightenment when you're reading about the world you're not experiencing it so you are retaining knowledge but it is a intellectual knowledge rather than an embodied knowledge so when you get knowledge through texts when you get knowledge through theory you might have the knowledge but you haven't embodied that knowledge in so it's the most tricky path according to the Bhagavad Gita to get to enlightenment because it's the one where you're most likely to be tricked into thinking that you've got to enlightenment so this is another thing that's talked about a lot in the Hindu texts, in the Indian texts, is that, especially in the Yoga Sutras, which is there are, as you're going through the path of enlightenment, there are points when you will think you're enlightened and you're not. And when you do that, it kind of sets yourself back a little bit, but there's like particular points where that happens. So it's all it's all kind of mapped out in the Yoga Sutras. So one of the things where you're most likely, that you're most likely to fall into that trap is if you follow the path of knowledge of like academic texts knowledge the study like a scientific knowledge of and obviously science I'm, I'm saying scientific knowledge i understand that science actually happens with experiments so that is embodied knowledge but more theoretical and academic knowledge from books rather than from life so those are the three paths of yoga as spoken about in the bhagavad gita and what you'll notice from that is not one of them not one of them, not a single one, is about getting up at five o'clock, doing your yoga practice and drinking a green smoothie. It's all about attaining knowledge. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you've got any questions about the episode, I'm sure you do. I'm sure that opened up a lot of questions. <laughs> do let me know. 
and if you if there's anything that comes up and you're like oh I'd love to know more about that do let me know because I'm open to doing episodes on whatever you want so thank you very much for listening bye the happy yoga podcast was brought to you by me joe hutton and don't forget to follow us on instagram and you're always welcome to join the community so follow the link in the show notes if you want to be part of the community bye